You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. If you're looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then you are in the right place. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus podcast, and it's very, very cool to have you tuning in. It's a brand new month, which means a brand new topic for us to focus on. And this month we're doing online advertising. This episode is all about Google shopping campaigns. Then we're going to be getting into Facebook ads and of course, Instagram ads with one episode on the creative and another on targeting and account structure. There are loads of hacks and tips and tricks in those. Um, And we'll be wrapping up with Pinterest ads. So we really do have every angle covered for you. So make sure you've subscribed to us in your podcast app of choice or to our emails so you don't miss any of those great episodes that are coming up. In today's episode, I'm talking to Mark Hammersley about Google Shopping Campaigns. If you're not sure what a Google Shopping Campaign is, on the consumer side, it's those product ads you find in the search results on Google. And on the back end, it's when you submit a feed of your products to Google Merchant Center, sync that to Google Ads, and then create and optimize your shopping campaigns. In today's episode, we talk about all things Google Shopping. Smart shopping and how to improve the results of that. Two different approaches to normal Google Shopping, the alternative to smart shopping. And we're talking about different ways of doing that. Uh, We also talk feed optimization and what ad formats to use. Plus a little bit of dynamic remarketing just for fun. So there's a lot to cover. And whether you're just starting with Google Shopping or have done loads, you're going to find some great tips in this interview. We're just about to meet today's guest. But before we do, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 38,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact lists and emails that pop and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with online advertising expert, Mark Hammersley. Mark is one of the awesome Hammersley brothers, CMO of the award-winning e-commerce growth specialist, Smarty Business, and author of the excellent book, The Business Owner's Guide to Google Shopping, which is exactly what he's here to talk to us all about today. Hello, Mark. Hi, Chloe. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm wondering how you find time to sleep with all that you're up to at the moment. I know. I try and take the mornings off because the uh, obviously I'm based in New Zealand at the moment, and the the uh, time change means that I talk to the UK in my evening at the moment. So yeah, I'm I'm up late. As we record this, we're listeners. We're both a little bleary eyed. Me because I've had to get up early, and Marks we're making him work late. So, uh, so we're, we're bringing the energy for you all, though. So it's gonna it's gonna be good. But you can imagine us both here a little bleary eyed. Um, so, so Mark, on to more important things than both of our sleep patterns. Um, how did you get into this wonderful world of online advertising? I started an e-commerce store probably around like fifteen years ago, and. What I find very hard to believe is how I didn't become a multimillionaire at that time, given how early I was and how amazingly, how many opportunities there were at the time. But of course, 
you know, I just left a corporate job, IBM, and I thought I knew everything. And I just made all the mistakes that everybody tends to make when they start a new business. But so that's how I got into it. I was like, I was just going to do this kind of online health shop, selling supplements and take over the world. And um, obviously it d- didn't happen that time. So that's how I got started. And I think, you know, you like if you talk to anybody who's been successful, they fail first many, many times. And that's how you learn. So that's kind of how I got into it. Just trying to trying to get something going. Excellent. Well, um, we you've obviously got a huge experience in that space now after decade plus in the industry. So, so let's let's get focused in on our Google Shopping campaigns. I guess uh, we'll start with kind of like the the what I see is kind of the two the two entry level questions. A lot of people start with Google and they set up their keyword ads and then they get a bit scared around the Google Shopping campaigns. So some businesses, I suppose, maybe are right to be doing that. Are there any e-commerce businesses, product categories or anything like that who shouldn't be using Google Shopping campaigns? Well, actually, kind of think this flip now. So, you know, like five years ago, you know, search ads used to be the the go-to one. But now, you know, with all the startups I'm working with, I always say go for Google Shopping first. That would be my go-to because often Google Shopping will convert better than search ads to these days. And then once you've got your search ads, you can then mine the search ads for keywords that are converting and then start some, sorry, you can mine the Google Shopping ads for search queries that are converting and then start some search ads on those. The only the only caveat to that would be, I would probably do brand Google AdWords, you know, for your for your brand, especially if other people are, are bidding on it, that that would be my uh, search ads that I would always start with as well. Because, yeah, you know, it, it's it's a no brainer, and you're going to pay a lot lower cost per click than the people bidding on your brand. Of course, we're not just saying that everyone should be trying out Google Shopping campaigns. We're saying it's it's apart from the, that those brand keyword ads, it's the first thing we should be doing with Google because we'll get money faster and we'll learn faster. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, in e-commerce, it's basically the thing that will convert. If you can't get Google Shopping to convert, it's very unlikely you're going to get search to convert. And if you can't get search or shopping to vert, convert, it's very unlikely you're going to get the display network to convert. I mean, outside of remarketing. So, you know, it's kind of that in, in that order, really. So I would always start with Google Shopping. So is it almost if you can't get Google Shopping to convert, you might want to rethink your business plan? Well, yes and no. I mean, there, there, there are some. I mean, there are some of my clients who absolutely smash it on Facebook, but don't can't can't make Google Shopping work, and vice versa. And sometimes, you know, if you're selling something that people aren't looking for, i.e., you've got some kind of cleaning equipment that does something special that people need to see, you know, it the people just aren't going to be on on Google Shopping looking for that yet. You have to create the market yourself. So. If people are looking for it and you have it and you have a competitive product, then Google Shopping's you know would be the first port of call. But if it's something that maybe needs a bit of education around and maybe a bit of lead generation, and then then you follow them up. You know, it's 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 it depends on the sale. But most, I'd say, ninety percent of the e-commerce sites I work with, you know, should be doing some Google Shopping. Nice and. Um... Is that and this we're we're hitting on a personal bugbear of mine now. This is the other other of my two two upfront questions about Google Shopping campaigns. So, is there any reason a retailer should ever just set up Google Shopping, turn it on, and then leave it alone for months and months and months? 
Well, I know, I know what you're getting at, and the answers, the answers, you know, again, ninety percent of the time, no. So, um, because obviously, even if, even if it's working, you can go and optimize the feed and do things better with your data and all that kind of stuff. Having said that, on the other side of it, you know, Google's getting a lot, lot better with its algorithm, actually doing a lot more for you. So, I've seen a couple of people rock up to my mentoring group and throw up smart shopping, and they've got no idea what they're doing but they're actually making really good money. And, you know, so you, you can't take that away from them. You know, it, it, it's it's great. And they are, they are making some money. But then obviously, if they want to go and optimize that, or if it stops working, then the difficulty is like what went wrong and they don't know because it's a black box. So um, I think anybody that's running Google Shopping and it's your main channel, you really need to own it. And you need to understand what's going on because like anything, if your whole income and your success relies on that thing and it stops working, you know, you don't really want to have to kind of chase the next agency after the next agency after the next agency just to try and work out what's going on. You need to actually understand it yourself. So so now Google's got it to the point where we could just leave it alone, but we ought to be still looking in there every week or so to see what's actually happening so as we understand it better. Is that what you're saying? It's it's basically kind of comes down to how much time you've got to manage. I mean, I don't use smart shopping. Very rarely do I use smart shopping because I think the for me there are some sacrifices that I don't want to lose, uh, don't want to make uh, in order to do it. And obviously, I know what I'm doing. But if I was kind of like starting out and it, I could get it working, then I could go off and do. Because what Ian and I talk about a lot is actually getting the core of the e-commerce site right. Because you know a a, a poor e-commerce core with a poor value op- uh, value proposition is 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 going to fail a, a even an amazing Google Shopping specialist. Uh, whereas a poor Google Shopping campaign with a really good website and really good core offering is still going to work. So um, we really bang on about getting the core right, um, and then. You know, if Google Shopping is going to be your main thing, then you can scale it. There are things to do. Even with smart shopping, we've got we've got techniques which I can go through if you want to talk about it about how to actually make that better. You've mentioned smart shopping a couple of times now, and it, it so could you just explain to the audience what smart shopping is, and then maybe we get into a couple of the tips around that. Yeah, so I think there's a bit of a, like a lot of time I ask people when I start working this, oh, what are you running? And they'll say, oh, I'm running smart shopping. And actually you go and look at it, it's not. They're just using standard shopping with like a one of the, the the bidding models, which is like target ROAS or something like that. So that's not smart shopping. Smart shopping is when Google basically takes control of all the, um, the keyword selection, which is similar to standard shopping, but does all the bidding in a black box and it doesn't show you the search queries that, that it's that it's actually serving for. So you've got you don't know what products are serving which search queries, and also it does the remarketing for you of the of the site as well. So it kind of bakes it all in. It's almost like kind of like saying to Google, "Here's my products, you go figure it out and do the remarketing for me, and everything's done in a black box." And you know it it, it can work it can work really really well, but like I say, you just don't have any data to optimize. So. I would say, I would always probably say, you know, even if you think that you're not going to be able to manage it, um, start with standard shopping because at the very least, you're going to see what search terms your products are coming up for. And then you can work out whether that's correct or not. And then you can maybe optimize the titles and to get the right search queries. 
Yeah, because just to be really, really clear for the audience, when Mark's saying black box there, he means that Google is Google might be driving you great results, but it's not telling you anything at all about how it's doing it, which means if you want to take control of it later, all that learning time you've lost, which you won't if you do it properly. So, Mark, you mentioned you had a couple of tips around um, smart shopping on what you can do with it. So, should we cover those quickly and then we'll get into Google Shopping campaigns proper? Okay. So, um, with smart shopping, when you're running smart shopping in that black box, um, then let's say you're doing quite well. Maybe you're getting a, a return on ad spend of 10 or something like that. You, you know, you've got some margin. What Google will then be tempted to do is start giving you crap inventory without you knowing, because you won't know, you won't know it. It will gradually try and push you to see how much it can offload without you <laughs> stopping it. And so one one way to do to kind of like uh, work against that is actually to run two smart shopping campaigns. You start off with one smart shopping campaign with all your products in it, and you set that to maximize conversion value with no target ROAS. So you basically let it run for, run kind of like without any target ROAS. Then you let it run uh, for about 30 days. And then um, once products have maybe spent 50 to 100 pounds and not hit your the ROAS you want, not to- hit your your target return on advertised spend so let's say you want you need to get at least times five so if you're spending 10 pounds you you want to get 50 pounds back in terms of revenue let's say that product hasn't hit that it spent 50 pounds and maybe not got any sales or or not hit that you would then move that product out of that smart shopping campaign and into the other smart shopping campaign which is maximized conversion value with a target ROAS and the reason for that is is it's it makes Google work harder on your on your crappy products and the ones that don't convert, and then it lets your winners run. And just doing that has, has given me um, about an increase of about thirty percent in terms of in terms of results. Just doing just wow. doing those. So, um, like I say, I don't use smart shopping very often, but for some of the websites, because I I own some websites myself, and sometimes I know I'm just you know I just want to let them run. I can, I'm happy with them. I'll, I'll use that technique and I can give that to quite a junior person in the team and say, look, just go in every week, look at the products you need to move up and down and, and move those. And then, you know, you could even experiment with having another level for products that don't even hit that. And you could maybe bring those out into standard shopping or something like that to see what's going on with those and why they aren't converting. I like the fact you you bring the um, how much time we've got to do things into this because it's kind of with all these different advertising methods we're talking about this month, but everything we're talking about, to be honest, in marketing, there is an infinite amount of time you could spend. And actually the key to success is often working out where your time should be spent across that whole marketing mix. So if, as you, you were saying earlier about some of your, your, um, your coaching clients, they have amazing results on Facebook ads huge results in Facebook ads and a little bit coming through Google. I guess they're the sort of people who, you know, leave it to smart shopping so you don't have to spend the the time managing it so you can then spend your time on the Facebook ads. And that's the sort of sort of people for whom smart shopping would be potentially a more permanent solution. Yeah, because those kind of guys, they're using they're using Facebook to drive the awareness of the brand and building things. And then they're using Google Shopping to mop up the sales that they've kind of created. So, you know, if they weren't running Facebook, then they wouldn't be getting any Google shopping because there's nothing, there's no kind of someone beating the, you know, the, the, 
the 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 customers into the air almost, and then Google Shopping's there to pick them up. So um, yeah, in that case, you, you could use smart shopping quite you quite well. It's just it's just really like you say, opportunity cost. You know, a lot of businesses you know, turn over quite a lot, but the, the core people it might be only be four people in the core team. So you know, it, it depends on what they want to do, and also whether they can afford you know uh, an agency because an agency is obviously going to want to go and do it you know properly and build out campaigns and and manage it because you know if they're running smart shopping campaigns, it's very difficult for them to justify their cost. Yes, because there's there's not that much they can do. Yeah, there's not, there's not the big learning curve. You know, yeah. as, you, as you've outlined with smart shopping, you know, basically, what's your product ROAS, and if the ROAS is is bad, move it to another smart shopping campaign. I think you know we don't we don't need to be uh, to be going on training courses to work that one out. But what we probably do need training courses for is Google Shopping proper. So. Um, for those who who can see huge potential here and who want to spend the time and effort getting it right, which is going to be the majority of people listening, how are there any any key things we should make sure we do when we're setting up before we even turn on our Google Shopping campaigns? Any key things that will set us up for success later on? Well, I I quite like using something in between the e-commerce platform and the merchant center. So, you know, between Shopify and the merchant center, and we tend to use something called data feed watch, but there are other feed tools that you can use. And the reason for that is because any error that props up in that feed in the merchant center, I can usually fix in merch in the data feed watch without having to get a developer involved or even on Shopify, having to kind of mess around with the data in Shopify, I can kind of go, oh, it hasn't got that, that hasn't got the, the um, material in, in the material feed or it hasn't got the right color. I can then go and do if statements in data feed watch and just clean it up. So that just speeds you up so much more quickly by having a tool in between to just get your feed right and, and you can optimize it. And also, you know, data feed watch has got stuff like if you're selling clothing, and 85% of the variants go out of stock, you can pause that product rather than just letting the, you know, the, the extra small and the, um, you know, the, the extra large still be there. So you, you can kind of, it's just, it's just built for that. And also you can run your Facebook feed from there as well. So you can kind of have one thing uh, uh, to run many things. So I think a good feed management tool in the mix is going to really help. Yeah, because it's we often I often find people reach a barrier with improving their Google Shopping campaigns because the next thing to do would be to go back and improve the feed, and that involves paying someone some large sum of money to redo it or fighting on developer time on other things that might be happening on the website. So, so yeah, to be able to put put an intermediary in there that's marketer friendly, you know, you don't need coding experience to use. That's that's an excellent tip. Okay, so once we once we've got it set up, how should we be approaching the optimization of those of those Google shop, shopping campaigns? I'm guessing it's a little bit more complicated than those tips you just gave us with smart shopping. Yeah, so we can kind of get into the weeds very quickly with this, but basically the the optimum setup that I use is um, I use Spags, which are single product ad groups, and if it's clothing like single single like item item group ID variant, so that um, like the shirt might have many sizes, but because it's the same image in all of them, I'd put that into the same ad group. And then I split my campaigns into three. I have a low bid campaign, medium bid camp, camp campaign, and a high bid campaign. And so all the all the search queries start off at the low bid campaign. And if, if they prove themselves to be good, then they get moved up. And that's done with 
shared negative lists. And what I would probably start with is moving up the brands to the medium bid one. So if I'm selling night trainers, Reeboks and all that kind of stuff, they get moved up to the, the middle tier by default. I'd probably move the GTINs because let's say it's a, you know, your B and Q. Sometimes people search by GTNs or the model numbers. I'd move those up by, by default. And then I would split those campaigns up into devices. So I'd have, you know, desktop, mobile, tablet. So I end up with nine campaigns and then like getting complicated. Then once they're running really well and I've got data, I then duplicate those, turn the existing ones to target ROAS to use the bidding model. And then I'd leave the ones that are running uh, the new ones on, on manuals, manual CPC. So I'd end up with, I actually end up with 18 campaigns. But each with a key strategy going on and products being moved between them, depending yeah, on what strategy they get that moved. So you hits. basically, when you start to get in, you know, these are big campaigns. I'm spending a lot of money each each month, you know, up to about £100,000 on some of them. And, you know, we're getting into scripting there. Um, I actually use a tool called PPC Samurai, which is a, a guy in Australia who set it up. Um, it's basically a plug and plug and drop kind of scripting tool that rather than having to get into Google scripts, I can just kind of build what I want. And that then runs every day. And so I've got bidding scripts that run every day to try and get the target ROAS to hit the target ROAS or look at the impression share for the product and, and move that up and move that down. So that's kind of happens every day. And then on top of that, I would go in manually and look at things and say, you know, what do I need to do? to do this. So um, yes, I think I've gone into the weeds there a little bit with what I do, but that's kind of my, what's kind of my structure at the moment. That's okay. Cause we've got people out there who want the weeds and who want the detail and who've just heard that and have gone, that is genius. And literally they probably already gone. They probably already hit pause on the episode, disappeared off, logged into Google ads, and that's them gone for the rest of the day, setting up what you just said. We've also got people who hopefully haven't hit pause who are going, Whoa, that sounds complicated. So um, can we come back up out of the weeds a little bit? Yes. So let's say let's say you were starting off in a more simple campaign. You'd be I would still set up single single product ad groups and I'd probably set it up on one um in one campaign and and, and just run it like that and then just bid up and bid down the product groups based on the results you're getting. And, and and start there. And the reason we're going for the single product ad groups, that's really the key, isn't it? Because that's the only way you get control over what's hap- what's really happening. Yeah, it gives you more control. So, for example, we we work with someone who sells saucepans and, you know, they have like large saucepans, small saucepans, all sorts of stuff. And and Google seems to be very bad at on this because people search for large saucepan, but the saucepan title might be 80 centimeter saucepan and that happens to be obviously a large saucepan but google doesn't know that so then you can kind of start aggregating and saying right everything that's got you know 30 centimeters i want to negative out the word large on that because i know it's not a large one you know and and you can start really sculpturing that to make sure that it's actually going to the right places and um you know making sure that it comes up for the right Things. I think I once talked to a guy who was doing 3D printer in cartridges and Google just had no chance at understanding which went with which. So, you know, in that case, you'd really want to start really sculpting down to even to the product level to make sure it was getting the right one for the right job. 
And when we're talking about sculpting on Google Shopping campaigns, that's watching the search query reports and bringing a bit of sense to it, like you were saying with the 30 centimetre saucepan not being a large saucepan. Um, and and then we're, we're putting that into the negative keyword part that happens on Google Shopping campaigns. Yeah, so you've got different places you can put negative keywords. You can put it at the ad group level, you can put campaign level, or you can put it into a shared negative list. So it really depends how much you don't want that keyword. So, you know, a lot of the a lot of the optimization is going through the search queries and kind of using you know, like a pivot table in Excel to work out, you know, men's trousers as a term, do I want that? Because it's quite generic. And rather than like, you know, uh, moleskin men's trousers or something which is more specific and and do I do if I'm trying to get a ROAS of four overall can I actually afford to bid on that generic term or not or can I um, maybe I might be able to bid on it on desktop but not mobile or in one of your campaigns based on the, the strategy, if we go back into the weeds for a bit, <laughs> you know, if you've got a ROAS targeted campaign, you could probably leave uh, men's trousers running because that's being taken over by the, by the targeting, which of course, if you're on the bids, it's not so much. So our negatives are absolutely crucial. Um, you mentioned the PPC Samurai type tool that will do the scripting and do the automation. Is that when you would set up a rule that, is it in a tool like that where you'd set up the rule, which is, Anything that's 30 centimetres negative large? No, not really. You'd probably do that manually thing. For some of you do is for PPC Summarize, more like um, go and find me the, the ad groups that have spent more than this amount over the past 30 days and haven't converted. And then you'd, you'd highlight them and say, well, maybe you might pause these ones. Or these are the keywords that I want to move up to the next level. Have a look at these. And then you, you'd go, well, I'm not, I know that doesn't convert. I'm not moving that up. Or you can use something like PPC Samurai to mine the search queries in Google Shopping to say, well, if it's if it's converted maybe more than five times, move it into a search ad. And then you can go and look at those and go, yes, move that in, or no, that's just not going to work on search. So it, it's PPC Samurai is a bit like Darth Vader's bathroom. You can do a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, the one we used to use before that, which was a lot simpler and was more kind of like paint by numbers, was Optimizer, which is a very good tool as well. And that will, because the trouble is with any of these uh, complex strategies on shopping is that you have to maintain the structure of those of those spags. And when you add new products, you think that Google would create those ad groups for you but it doesn't so you need a tool to go out there and check the feed and go right i've got these new products i need to go and create these new ad groups or i've not got these ad groups anymore do you want me to pause these ones that that are no longer there so um if you don't have some tool doing doing it for you yeah it, it takes kind of like the um because it's a lot of work to maintain those campaigns you know, even if you're doing grouped um, products even more so when you're doing the spags and as you said the moment you upload a new product and it doesn't have its own spag the whole model is is broken so to have something which is it's kind of idiot proofing you you know it's, it's it's going you need to look at this you need to look at this you need to look at this is uh is invaluable it has to be said i can i can completely see where those those would fit in but but if you're thinking oh my gosh that sounds a bit complicated then i guess optimizer would be the place to start rather than ppc samurai because you can always take it up a level when you get there now one thing which we haven't talked about mark in the world of google shopping campaigns is the different type of ads we can create because I, th I think we can do product ads and we can do brand ads, can't we? So are there any particular guidance on 
on these as we go into Q4? Well, there's the showcase ads and there's there's the normal Google Shopping ones. And to be honest, I only really use the, use the normal ones. I haven't had much much success with the showcase ones. They are bringing out new ones all the time. Um, but a lot of the time, I am getting my return on advertised spend with my standard shopping, and I just don't have any more budget for, for the other stuff. And so... Um, I tend to only use the, the normal the, the normal shopping ones, to be honest. But obviously, if you're doing normal shopping, then you have to do remarketing as well yourself. And um, the thing you've got to watch with that is that a lot of people, I see the setup, they go and set up dynamic uh, remarketing ads in Google, but they're not passing back to Google the, prop, the, the correct uh, product IDs from the product pages. Yeah, because that, that's it, it. Always seems like oh, we've done Google shopping campaigns. The remarketing side of it, where Google puts the products in front of people when they're on the search engines and in other places where they get the product they were looking at on the website. And I've got that wrong, haven't I? It's not on the search engines; it's only in other places, isn't it? With dynamic remarketing, bad yeah. Clary. Sorry, everybody. So to to clear that one up. Google Shopping, when you've got your Google Shopping campaign set up, it's really tempting to go, yeah, let's just do dynamic remarketing, which puts the products people have looked at on your website in front of them when they're elsewhere on the web. Um, error corrected. Uh, then then it's tempting to do it, but you need quite complex coding on the website, as you were saying, to get, to get that correct information back. And that's, again, often where people fall over. Mm. And you sometimes have to get involved with like Google Tag Manager, which is another kind of worms. I mean, Shopify does, you know, will do a lot of that for you out of the box. But if you're on Magento, you know, you have to go and get the right extension and do that kind of stuff. But it's, you know, you can you can see what's being sent back to Google using the Google Tag Inspector. And you just got to make sure that the ID that it's being sent back actually matches the ID in the feed. Because a lot of the time you'll find it sending back the item group ID or the variant ID or whatever. And it's just different. And that even even if you're running smart shopping, because smart shopping's got remarketing built in, if it haven't, if you're not sending that stuff back to Google, it's not going to know. It's just going to randomly remarket to people with products that it thinks people might have seen. Yes, which could be um, could lead to some quite rarely random ads, and of course, is not going to drive the results you're looking for, is it? Mm. So, so what what have we covered? We have covered. Uh, we've covered the basics of the of how to get better quality feeds in, which is with um, a, a tool like Data Feed Watch. We've talked about how to set up in the crazy format with Google Shopping campaigns, a high level format with all those different low bid, medium bid, high bid, and all those spags. Um, we've talked about the simpler version, and we've also given some tips for those who are still using smart shopping. We've covered dynamic remarketing. Mark, what have we missed that people need to know going into Q4 to make their Google Shopping campaigns fire? Or have we got it all? Well, the other thing I would say is that support from search can work quite well. So if you can see that you maybe you convert very well for like blue coffee cups and that becomes your domination on, on Google Shopping, Bidding on that search term on search ads gives the consumer more confidence that that's your dominant, you're dominating that niche. Now, you might not necessarily get the ROAS on the search ad, but being there will usually give you a boost on the Google shopping because as they're in the research phase for that product, they keep seeing you, they see you in search, they keep seeing you on Google shopping. And it's like, well, this seems to be the one that dominates this area. So 
um, for your key shopping uh, uh, search queries that are actually converting, having a bit of support from search can work really, really well, especially as you can control the message as well. Yeah, I was just thinking, because of course you can put free shipping and delivery in X time span and guarantees and all those good messages that convince people to convert. You can put all that in the in the text ad, the search ad, which of course you can't put in your Google shopping listing. So yeah, that's really clever. Yeah. I like that one. Well, look, um, Mark, we're now going to pause for a reminder of our sponsors, and then we're going to talk about the wider world of online advertising. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? Well, that's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact lists, send memorable emails, automate key messages and more way, way more. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster and it's free to get started. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Mark, so far we've gone deep, very deep into Google shopping campaigns. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of online advertising. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with online advertising, which of course does include Google shopping campaigns. So Mark, you ready for these? Okay, let's go. Here we go. Let's start with online advertising newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step with online advertising, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? So, because actually, I, I actually teach a lot of startups at the moment. So the thing I always try and, and say is, is two things. Get your core right first. And obviously, all good books, like my book, The Ultimate Guide to E-Commerce Growth, has got a lot of tips on, on getting that right. So getting your core right so that you've, you've removed a lot of the friction from your product pages, from your basket pages, and you're not making the kind of obvious errors that I see every day. Um, on people's sites. So things like, you know, have a returns policy, don't make people hunt for the shipping, don't make people add to the basket just to, just to find the shipping and all that kind of stuff. And, and um, go and look, you know, go and look at who you're going to come up against on Google shopping or whatever, you know, see who you're going to compete against, who has got your customers at the moment and why would they buy from you? You need to be able to answer that, that question. Um, and then when you do do some page, paid search, either paid Google or paid Facebook, set forward with your best foot forward first. So you go out there with the best possible offer you could do with your best shipping rate. And so it's like literally the best offer you can do to put yourself out there. Because if you go out there and fail, you will know it wasn't because you didn't do free shipping and it wasn't because you didn't do your offer. Because otherwise... You can spend another like five thousand pounds figuring out that actually, even when you've got your best foot forward, you're still not converting, and you, it's something else. So make sure you're putting your best foot forward because you'll save a lot of money making sure that you can actually convert. Because as soon as you get some sales, you can iterate on that and you can kind of optimize around it. But if you go out there and get nothing, then you want to make sure you had your best foot forward. So therefore, you can kind of go, well, I got nothing, so I'm doing something seriously wrong. So I need to go and look at these other these other things first 
I love that. Best foot forward on the website and with the offers for the ads. Love it. Okay. Once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve online advertising performance? I, I'm a big fan of, I mean, we, we talk about seven KPIs in the book, Ian and I, and what we always try and do is to try and find a lever within the lever. There's always the lowest hanging fruit. There's always the obstacle at the moment. So, you know, if it's, if, you know, if you go and benchmark your, your stat, and we give out a lot of benchmarks, you know, on our podcast and things on our book. And, you know, you want to find the KPI that is the one that's most underperforming because that will be the lever that will move the dial the most. And then once you know that KPI, you then go and, you know, use an 80-20 rule and go, well, within that ad to basket, which are the product pages that are causing the, you know, 80% of the problem and only 20% of those go and look at those ones and optimize those products. So basically always be looking at the lowest hanging fruit and the biggest lever, lever within the lever within the business and focus there and ignore all the shiny stuff outside of that. I like it. I love the practical advice here. And those who are wondering, Mark's mentioning their book, which is awesome, and their podcast, which is also awesome. We will make sure before we end this episode, we give you clear details on exactly where to get all of those. Don't worry. Um, and it's impossible to improve our marketing unless we're monitoring the performance. But the list of stuff we could monitor can be overwhelming. So what for you is the number one online advertising KPI? Well, I mean, I, I like the ads to basket rate, to be honest. Because basically your your basket to check out and your basket to order are pre, pretty much fairly similar year, year round, whereas your add to basket rate will move up and down depending on what, what you're doing. So, um, you know, if I'm having a problem with a site and I'm not doing very well, I'll look at the add to basket rate and I'll go, what, why, why is it low? Oh, it's email. Last year, this time, I sent out a big email, drove a lot of sales. The email this time didn't pull, so that's the issue. So you dive into that add to basket and find out what's wrong with it, and that's where you start. Because um, a lot of the time, that really it just shows a lot of the uh, initial issues. Nice, I like it. Okay, finally, crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to twelve months that we should be getting ready for in online advertising? I think we're going to see a lot more pushback from Google with them taking more control over things. And I think probably Facebook to, to the same degree. So what that's going to push us marketers is further up the channel and even more into the core, because the only thing we have really control over is the offering on the website, the images and the product copy and what happens to the customer experience. So as that as that happens, we, we're going to make, have to make sure that we really, really understand what the customer's trying to get done, what the job to be done is for the customer. And we have to keep hustling. We have to really hustle to get into those conflicts, not just to get the sale, but to you know grab the email address, at least 10% grab the email address, but also you know measuring how many conversations we're having with customers all the time so that we have those KPIs on our, on our sites that we're really really driving hard so that when Google starts automating everything, we're maximizing what we can do at our end. Um, and that's where we're going to, we're going to gain the control. Love it. Okay. Um, Mark, we are nearly at the end of the show. We've meant, I mentioned very early on in the intro, your book on Google shopping, but we've also mentioned your brilliant book about kind of the whole of e-commerce. 
and we've mentioned your podcast. So could you let the listeners know where to find those and how to get in contact with you on the web and social media, please? Right. So the book is at ecommercebook.co.uk. So that is the the book um, about e-commerce, as you would expect. And that is the, the book Ian and I wrote, um, which uh, I'm, I think you've people have talked about on your show before, which has been very nice of them. And the podcast, which you started, which was an inspiration by Ian coming on your podcast uh, the first time, which must have been a, about mm-hmm. a year ago now, maybe more, yeah. um, is um, at ecommercestories.podbean.com. So that those, those are the two things. And if you want to, Ian and I are offering, well, our team are offering uh, free uh, e-commerce scaling sessions with people. And if you want to book one of those with us, then just go to ecommercecall.com. Brilliant. We will make sure the links to all of that are in the show notes. You can find it keepoptimizing.com. Plenty for you guys to get your teeth stuck into from this episode. And I have to say, the the work that Ian and Mark are doing is brilliant. The books are brilliant. The podcast is brilliant. So, so you have my wholehearted, totally honest um, uh, endorsement there. Um, and that last link was that e-commerce call, C-A-L-L? Yes, e-commerce call. As you can tell, I've been buying up lots of e-commerce related domain names recently. <laughs> <laughs> you have it. I'm I'm quite I'm I'm particularly impressed with ecommercebook.co.uk. I thought I was doing quite well with e-commerce marketing book. Um but but you've you've gone one better. Only two words in yours. Yeah. Well damn it. It's the book. I know. It is the <laughs> book for e-commerce. It is, it is a brilliant book. Um Okay, Mark, thank you so much for being on the Keep Optimizing podcast. It's been a blast upskilling everybody on Google Shopping campaigns. I think we all have a lot of work to do to uh, to take our campaigns to the right levels for the for the imminent Q4 and peak and all the rest of it. And the good thing with Google Shopping campaigns, of course, is the second you start to make those changes, the second the performance improves. So it's, it's definitely something to get stuck into this month, if not this week. Um, so thanks so much for coming on. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Chloe. I've really enjoyed it. Well, it's always good to catch up with uh, with Mark and his brother Ian about what they're up to and what's going on in uh, in the e-commerce world. Like I said, those resources well worth checking out, especially their book. It really is brilliant. Google Shopping campaigns, it's a difficult topic to cover because it's quite complex, as you'll have worked out listening to that. So I hope what Mark and I have managed to do is to give you different levels, depending on where you're at, to enable you to to get started well and to work out how to optimize well. So I suppose key things there are, if you are currently set up with smart shopping, probably given we're currently in um, October and Christmas is not that far away. If you are a Christmas focused business, you're planning on doing a lot for Black Friday, um, then it's probably best for the time being to stay on smart shopping, but to take those those key tips which Mark outlined to, to improve the performance there. Then if you're able or if you're already on kind of the normal Google shopping setup, then following either that advanced tactic, if you if you've done quite a bit with it and you're quite you know quite advanced with your activity, with your spend, with your return, um, or doing those the simpler version. And I guess the key key there is to go with the spags, those single product ad groups, and to get those set up. I thought those tools which um, which Mark mentioned were particularly useful for helping you you really improve things. So we had data feed watch to enable you to be able to tweak things in the feed as and when you need to. 
And also then Optimizer or PPC Samurai to make the management of uh, those those Google Shopping campaigns day to day that little bit easier by automating some of the workload for you and by you know flagging things you need to do. And on the advertising front, hey, that, at least that's one area where we can reduce you down to just thing, just just one set of things to do, just the product ads. As Mark was saying, just the product ads. Don't worry about the showcase ads. Product ads should take you exactly where where you need to get to. And then that little bit about dynamic remarketing as well, getting the code in place on the website so you've got the right information feeding back to Google, and then that should help you drive some more some more sales. Well, we did cover a lot there, and you can get links to everything that we discussed and the full transcript of the episode, our important notes, and more at keepoptimizing.com. That's spelt with an S, not a Z, remember? Now, as part of my mission to help you improve your marketing, I've invited even all of our online advertising specialists to join us for a Q&A webinar at the end of the month. That's going to be your chance to get your, your questions answered. So if you've got things you want to follow up on with Google Shopping campaigns, that's going to be your time to come and get them answered. Now, I know a lot of you love the questions I ask, but I'm sure some of you have your own. So do come along to the webinar where you will be able to get those answered. You can get signed up for the webinar and the replay as well by going to keepoptimizing.com where you'll find out all the details. Top of the screen, there'll be a link to the webinar. It's going to be very cool to get to connect with some of you during that webinar. And thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast and for tuning in week after week. Um, It's brilliant to see the numbers just keep going up. Um, For a new podcast, I've been really impressed with with how many of you are tuning in week after week. and, And it's great to know that what we're putting out there every week is helping you improve your business. If you've enjoyed this episode, then make sure you check out episode nine, which is all about how to use your Google Shopping setup to get free traffic from Google. Yes, free traffic from Google. So if you've got Google Shopping set up, you really need to know how to get the free stuff. So that's episode nine. And please do tell your fellow marketers about the show because I create this because I want to help as many marketers as possible to improve the performance of the marketing that they're doing. So please do spread the word. Have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you too to keep optimizing your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.